Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? Nerecchio Camino. It would have been DWI. A tipping point. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and those who identify as non-binary. It's time once again for the tipping point. Two very special guests, Reynolds and the big man himself, Jeter. And speaking of big men, I am joined by the biggest one of them all, Larry Goodman. How you doing tonight, Larry? Yeah, the biggest asshole of them all, right here on the Tipping Point. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing fairly well. How about you, Mr. Platinum? I know you had a big, a, a, a big Sunday afternoon at Gangrel show, eh? I did. Um, ver- really great show experience. And, um, of course, I talked about it at length on um, – Full disclosure, and my God, Larry, uh, I'm I'm sure you're experiencing that. I'd like to talk about um, what your experience, what you're experiencing, based on your anarchy report. Because, oh boy, even though it was just a Patreon video, <laughs> um, I've it, it is my most viewed Patreon video by far. So. Uh, all the people are obviously watching it and mul- watching it multiple times. And um, the messages that I've gotten in reference to that whole thing have been, um, wow, a lot. So um, I can echo what you just said. It is one of the most read reports that I've done in quite really? a while. Um, and of and yes, and more like contacting, reaching out to me after a report, which doesn't you know that doesn't happen that often. What and what never happens, or what ha- I don't know, rarely has ever happened, is all the comments to a report. Occasionally, you get a couple, but like not twenty five comments about a report from various people. Yeah. Some of whom we could probably guess who they were. Um, oh, but, I mean, if, if you're spelling it racist. And you're spelling it racist with an E. You're David Garrison, right? Like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that. <laughs> well, that, so that didn't surprise me. Um, it did surprise me that Anarchy themselves responded back publicly, uh, indicating that a talent and an agent stood in the way of the advertised Garrison. Uh, ben Buchanan match. I was surprised at that. I was too. Um, can I editorialize about that for just a second? Do. Do. <laughs> um, I thought that that was a horrible look from Anarchy, that response. I thought if you're responding to a fan, because it, it was in part a response to a fan who, you know, they drive from Alabama, right? It's five hours of driving. I don't think you do anything except fall on the sword at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think you just go, 
sorry it wasn't to your satisfaction, but to correct the fan, let me let me state my position on this because Anarchy's position was, well, you did get the main event. <laughs> um, no, they didn't. And I, who hates a wrestling fan more than I do, Larry Goodman? Nobody, right? Hate you them. and wrestling. <laughs> yes, I hate them. But I will say that this is a case where the customer is right. If in their minds, their main reason, hence main event in the vernacular that they used, was to see Griff against Ben, then that's the match that they came there to see, and that's the match that they were disappointed that they didn't get to see for the second time in a row. And I don't think trying to invalidate their feelings by playing some semantic game of, but Shane Marks and Jacob Ashworth were technically the main event because it was the last match. I mean, to me, that's just, that's, that's not helping the problem. It's not really addressing the concern, which is, you know, we hauled our cookies all the way over there and we didn't get the show that was promised us. Um, I didn't think that that response to the fan was a very good one. Um, I wouldn't have done it, and or I certainly would have taken a different avenue, which is not to be excuse-making. I just thought that that was the bad look. Um, but that's my opinion, of course. But, yeah, I thought it was and, a really and, bad and, look. And not to spend but an, uh, 60 seconds on this, but I will spend that long about the comparing the uproar about the Total Aggression Pro supposed uh, BLM angle in this situation one they're completely different situations the whole the whole thing with the BLM angle was not whether they did the angle or not and I'm not sure it would have been a bad idea to do the angle the I, the thing was if correct me if I'm wrong was that David Garrison said denied that they ever considered it when they did yes yes they denied that they ever considered it <clears throat> and that <laughs> I mean, the the hilarious thing is, in their eyes, Black Lives Matter is, is the heel, right? Yeah. So if Hank, Hank is an undeniable, right, they're going under that bent of the white boy challenge. And, being, and by the way, to do that angle in 2021, super like, whoa, right, <laughs> first yeah. of all. But, I mean, but the whole point is, as Bill Barron's himself once coined, um, when people were complaining about the God Squad stuff and all this, in the end, God wins, right? And <laughs> I mean, this is a, it's a heel angle where the where I mean, I hate to talk about it in this context, but like the undeniable, or at the end of the day, they're going to lose, right? And so that's the point. Whereas the BLM thing was. The guy yelling Black Lives Matters was the heel because yeah. it fits David Garrison's personal political bent. Um, and it has nothing to do with drawing heat or any of the rest of it. It was just him manifesting his own political views in order to, um, you know, get his ideas across as opposed to – does Matthew Hankins really hate white people and want to fret? Of course not, right? This is a heat-building angle leading to a payoff. So, which, which had to do with who really represents anarchy. The, does Undeniable represent anarchy, or does Adrian Hawkins true anarchy, which is where this is going to go? The only thing I will say, as somebody very astute about such things pointed out to me, they didn't mm-hmm. need, and particularly, and seeing it live, this was absolutely true. 
they didn't need the hanging once Blaze had put that young white boy through that table. It was done. They didn't need to do the hanging on top of it. They did, and that got some people upset, but they accomplished what they needed to accomplish without doing the hanging. Um, I would agree with that. Um, I would also say if the end of one, two things, if the end of the show had gone the way it was supposed to, if Griff and Ben had done their I quit match, especially with Griff going over, which is what I was told was supposed to happen. Griff goes over and then they do the, the finish um, to the Shane Marks thing that they wanted. And one, that show is a show of the year candidate. It is. Right. It, it is. And yep. And two, nobody would be cast throwing stones at the uh, hanging angle to this degree. I think Mm -hmm. it's one of those where when your team is winning, your team doesn't have problems. When your team, (laughs) when your team loses the big game, I, 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 when earlier I was talking about this with somebody and I made it analogous to if Atlanta runs the ball one more time instead of tries for a pass and they win that Super Bowl, they don't blow a 28 to three lead the whole trajectory of their future is completely different, right? If they win that yeah. Super Bowl, their whole future is completely different. But because of that, you know, fire the coach, fire the offensive line, fire this, this is a problem, blah, 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 blah. And that's, that's the way it's gone with uh, hardcore hell, unfortunately. Could not agree more. The hanging thing would have been a blip on the radar screen had other things gone the way they're supposed to because they had a show of the year candidate in the palm of their hand, and it, it just slipped, frittered away on what happened in those last two matches. So, because hey, are you ready? And, to, yes. Are you ready to toot I'm your sorry. horn about uh, the Sting appearance for – Oh, my goodness. Did You, you saw that post. Oh, I saw that, and yeah, I'm ready to toot my horn, and I'm ready to say how convenient that, I mean, the, 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 the thing was worded so carefully, it kind of made me a little sick, Larry. So, oh, I set this deadline of April 24th, so conveniently didn't have to talk about any of this until Superstars Fan Fest was over, right? <laughs> didn't have to address any of this um the, basically implying that i just thought it was wrong and i would larry i'm going to take my own horn here if i didn't put my boot on those guys neck would there have ever been an inquiry into whether sting was showing up or not or would they still be going under the premise that he was going to show up on october 23rd no i mean as, as someone who questions whether you had the facts on this one, you know, privately before as this was going on, mm-hmm. I have to say, uh, no, it wouldn't have. And, and what, you, what you speculated at the time and what you had knew at the time from what people you talked to all turned out to be the case. And would they have demanded a refund of any kind Probably at not. any point? No. And, I mean, once the stuff came out about Charlie – who he still does business with. And in that thread, somebody brought up the fact that, you know what, Um, you still do business with Charlie. And then, again, Sean went to his usual, well, he's never screwed me, and he did a great job with FanFest. And he's like, well, he screwed me out of money, and he screwed a lot of people out of money. And he did did a lot of business with Scott, which is absolutely true. 
<laughs> so it certainly seems like we're hanging Scott out to dry on this one. Not that he doesn't deserve it. I mean, those screen captures of people getting his response of like, when am I going to get my money back? Of like, well, because of the blah, 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 blah. But I mean, it, it was worse than I thought. I didn't know that nobody had gotten a refund. Mm. And for Superstars Fan Fest and Sean Ambrose to cut bait of all responsibility and to basically not, you know, we'll cover it and we'll get the money from Scott, which would have been the best response, would it have not? <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not saying like, I don't, I mean, we're talking thousands of dollars, so I get it, but that's your watch. Scott's the person that you brought under your umbrella to make this thing happen and defend it on air with us. This is what pisses me off the most. Sean came cock of the walk, so fucking arrogant when he was talking to us, knowing, knowing that Scott had already told him, nah, man, because they announced it within two hours of tipping point being done. Then they announced about the, that the sting thing wasn't going to happen. To me, Larry, that is so disingenuous and disgusting to just, Everything was about making sure Superstars Fan Fest went off right, and and it did, right? Yeah, total success. Seven hundred fifty people. Good show. Apparently, <laughs> he, a well received show. And what I think is hysterical again is Sean, who had said, "You know, this is the last one for me." Blah blah blah. Wah wah wah. Wine wine wine. Now. Me and Mac Davis are planning on 2022. Kiss my ass. Kiss my ass. Kiss my ass for waiting for all the Sting stuff till after Superstars Fan Fest. Kiss my ass to freaking coming on the podcast, making all nice, still having no defense for having a crook like Charlie with him. And make no mistake about it. That guy is a crook. I mean inexcusable i'm glad they had a successful fan fest i guess though those pictures people were sending of their pictures with the four horsemen <laughs> with, the, with the with the plastic barriers and arn on one side of the plastic barrier totally on the other side oh my god that looks like shit <laughs> sorry but i mean at least the picture really happened so Hey, one thing before we bring Reynolds on that I that I did want to touch. There's a couple things, but we'll we didn't have time for all of them. But but your thoughts from what you what's your analysis of the AEW NXT ratings now that we're two weeks into them not running head to head? I saw a couple people commenting, and they don't seem to know the change that happened because they were like, "Well, Kenny Omega's not a draw. They shouldn't have had him win. They're only drawing seven hundred thousand, dude. They they did." 1,200,000 and then 1,100,000 last week for nothing happening shows, basically, especially last week's. Um, and NXT has gotten up to 800,000, but more importantly, <clears throat> the demo has jumped way up for NXT. So it's clear what was happening when they were going head to head is the younger fans were choosing AEW 
but also um, they were choosing AEW, but then there was the older fan base was not choosing AEW. And so now the younger fans can now watch both NXT and AEW, which is happening, and the older fans are watching both NXT and AEW, which is happening. And to me, it's a win-win. I mean, how could it be anything but? And, and, you know, watching the WWE lick its wounds and try to retell the history and, oh, we, it was never a war. <laughs> it's, it's a, it, it wasn't a war. I mean, they fired the first shot, and then they had to run away screaming. Now they had to they retreat. Leave, <laughs> they, they're, they're, and so now they're framing the argument. And But it's like – and, I mean, we'll see what's going to happen because now it turns out that hockey isn't going to be on under NBC, which was the whole oh. thing that caused all of this in the first place. No, the TBS properties have acquired NHL hockey. So Interesting. It, might be, it might be, you know, AEW that's going to go up against the hockey on the same mm. station. Now, it could maybe they'll be on TBS – and they'll keep AEW, we don't know yet, but the whole thing that was supposed to happen, because NBC was seen as the runaway leader, because their bid was the highest, um, they're going to get hockey. Well, they pulled out of the bidding. And so it went to, yes, it went to the Turner properties for much less money than expected, because hockey's ratings haven't done quite what they thought they were going to do yeah. um, when they returned from COVID. So. Right. Well, speaking of interesting, our first guest, both of our oh guests, boy. but definitely, but our first guest certainly will be interesting. He is uh, currently has a recurring and starring role at Pro South Wrestling, um, where he's been for the last maybe six months or so. A very interesting character, very unique character that he's portraying. We'll get to ask him about that. Joining us now on the tipping point is. Reynolds. Welcome, sir. Hey, how are you guys? Doing good, man. How are you? Uh, no complaints, man. How y'all doing? <laughs> good, good. Not um, bad. Larry, now, Larry, you've seen Reynolds in action. What's something that strikes you um, about him compared to, say, the rest of the Pro South roster or just in general? What's What, what makes Reynolds unique? Um, well, he's, uh, he has this, he has strong masochistic tendencies that he tends, tends to laugh and smile in the face of pain. Um, as I've seen few wrestlers do. Um, and he has some sort of a, a special thing going with Eric Silva over there. Um, which I'm curious to know about the, uh, how this character, or however you want to call it, personality, whatever you want to call this, how this came about. Yeah. All right, well, the masochist thing uh, is pretty much something that I was wanting to go with for a long time. And I've been doing this about 11 years now, and ProSouth is kind of the first promotion who's kind of allowed me to do my own thing and allow me to actually be me. And I feel like maybe if I could have done this a while back, 
it could have took me further than where I am now if I could have just had that freedom to do it. But so I'm just really happy that they gave me the opportunity to actually be me. Um, me and Silva go back years, years, like beyond wrestling, and I've known this man for a really, really long time. So it just made the most sense to do this angle with him because we have the most chemistry, and it's it's just so easy and flawless to be able to put it together with him. And he's he's a phenomenal worker. Um, speaking of your um, the length of your career, you am I correct that you came out of the Carolinas originally? Yes, sir. And and you knew uh, Joe Black from among others. You knew Joe, Joe Black from when you yes. were over there in the Carolinas. Yes, sir. I've worked. Uh, I've worked Anarchy before. I've worked PWX before. Um, America's Most Like Wrestling. Um, yeah, I've been all over the Carolinas. Um, and did did you just step away from wrestling for a period of time? And if so, why? Uh, it was a time where. You need to step away to think, get your stuff together, and maybe if I wouldn't have taken that time away, maybe I wouldn't have had the time to reinvent myself to be able to bring in this masochist-type character and yeah. all of that. So I need a second to breathe and figure out you know, who I am, who I want to be, and what do I want to do with the remainder of the time that I'm going to be doing this. And that time off gave me enough inspiration, thought, and... I found out who I want to be and something that I'm good at, and I'm back to the point where I enjoy this now. Cool. Cool. So I, I'm I'm supposed to mosey on down to Pro South in about a month's time, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing you. Uh, like, you're one of the handful of people I'm really looking forward to seeing because I've never got to see you perform live in any way, shape, or form. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. What what made Pro South the place where you were like, because I, I like to think PCW was this way, where it, there was like more freedom to operate um, and that kind of thing to really try stuff out. Wh- what made you know that Pro South was that spot that would let you kind of run in this direction? Well, to be honest, uh, from the very start, it was the heavy communication that I had with Silva, um, where I had spoken with him and he was the one who, told me about ProSouth to begin with. And then I started watching the product for a while, seeing how they were doing things. And you can see the freedom on character and everything just by watching the product. They, they take chances, you know what I mean? And like, like Goodman said before, they kind of have to do that, and that's what they do, and that's what helps them excel and stay where they are. Is, you know, they do a lot of things. A lot of other promotions might be like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to try that, but they do, and it always works for them. So I watched the product, got behind it, was enjoying it, talked to Silva and talked to Ace, and then they decided to bring me in. And then once I got in there, I mean, Ace reassured me, like, he trusted my opinion on things, my ability on things, and he let me just do me. And it seems like I'm I'm happy that he trusts me because it's obviously working, but I'm just glad that he took that opportunity to allow me to do so. And then now, you know, I'm here with LOT, I mean, a, a group of great guys, and, I mean, Tyler Colbert's incredible. I mean, a fantastic mind for this stuff. And the rest of the guys are absolutely, I mean, just phenomenal in their own way. And I feel like the whole roster has nothing but incredible talent, man. Yeah. I, um, uh, I'm i going to let Larry get in a question, I promise. But 
Um, you come from a bodybuilding background. I have yeah. I have kind of a, a a really harsh kind of deep brutal question. Does okay. does 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 this desire to play a masochistic character? Do you think that it is at least in part fueled by the fact that you were in that bodybuilding world, and that that world requires so much sort of sacrifice, and also, I mean, you kind of have to be a masochist to become good at bodybuilding or powerlifting or any, anything that requires such a heightened level of discipline and body sculpting. Um, do you feel like the masochist character came about as a result of your experiences with bodybuilding? Well, that makes perfect sense. Cause like, I mean, unless you have competed for as long as I did and went to the extent and the levels that I did with that, I mean, the questionnaire asked makes perfect sense, and I feel like a lot of people wouldn't get that. So that makes me happy that you asked that because it seems like you fully understand it, you know, and it's, yeah. it is. I mean, the dedication, the, you have to take everything, basically fun, everything that you want to do, that's no longer an option because the only thing that matters is the competition and looking your absolute best and seeing that you can your top potential and like what you really can be if you really focus on that and yeah it's it's extremely hard and there's nothing fun about it but yeah you definitely got to be crazy in order to want something like that because you're it's self-inflicting you're choosing to do that but i mean i don't know man some people that's all they got you know and i don't regret any of it and i know the bodybuilding aspect has a big part on it yes but i think a lot of the background of my life, things that I've been through, things that I've survived and came up from definitely had a lot to play with it as well. But mm. the bodybuilding part really does play a big part. So you're, you're definitely yeah. correct on that. How far, um, Reynolds, did you did you go with the bodybuilding? How far did you take it? Um, I had competed for six years, and I have got onto – a national stage and I was in Miami and had done a show down there and got to basically like a semi qualify with the national. That's as far as six years I was absolutely done with it and it was nice to see, it was nice to know like what my best looks like and be able to get there and that's great, but yeah, I've I've had my fill with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're we're in kind of the salad days for wrestling again, where you know a lot of guys, uh, even guys that you're on shows with, are getting opportunities to go work at AEW, and um, you know Georgia's is just a stone's throw away, and Alabama's a stone's throw away from Florida, where so much stuff is happening. Do you have ambitions in that regard? Would you love to? I mean, what what interests you the most? Would it be AEW Dark? Would you shoot for NXT? Um, you know, or what what is you, what's your goals in this? Or are you happy just getting to kind of do what you get to do um, at Pro South? Well, obviously starting off at the very beginning. I mean, obviously, you know, WWE is always the the big goal for everybody, and everybody wants a WrestleMania moment and all of that, and then. Get a little older, you do a little bit more shows, years pass by and stuff like that. So, you know, now I have a family and things have changed and they've changed for the better. You know, they've sat me down, had me look at things in a different way and I see what's more important mm. to me now. Where before that was that was it. That was above everything. And 
I lost sight of a lot of what was important. And I think if if you don't already accomplish that before a family is set in stone and all of that, then it becomes a lot harder to do because, I mean, the sacrifice is hard already, but to sacrifice family time for it too, it's, it's difficult. I mean, if AEW or NXT or someone was to give a call, I mean, I'd, I'd be crazy to turn that down. So that would be amazing to get, yes. But if that doesn't happen, and then I understand because whether it does or not, I still have an amazing family and a group of friends that I've made from Pro South that I would trade, I mean, all of that for. So that's fine with me. Gotcha. Uh, Reynolds, I wanted to ask you about specifically about the match at uh, night one of uh, Trinity Challenge Cup, where you came out with you know what appeared to be self-inflicted wounds on your chest, bleeding, and carrying a knife. Um, seemed like yeah, they were taking things taking things pretty far. Um, I mean, what? I, I don't know how to ask this. Like, what what was up with that? the only way I could seem to explain that is if you understand the the power the the realness the intensity the awe-inspiring being that the ghost Eric Silva is it's very very hard to be able to find a way to match this guy when he's on top of his game so that version of myself is my ghost per se that's my ultimate to his ghost so if he's going to take it to the next level then i'm going to have to take it to a level where he's still looking up at me because that's where we still are i taught him everything he knows and he looked up at me at then then he leveled up so i have to make sure that it stays the same mm. i love that answer love it well so you, it, at the end of the match you, you took it to the level where he's um out of action, and uh, nothing's really been heard about what what's what's next for him at Pro South. Um, do you hope that we will see more of you and uh, Silva? I mean, I love the guy, but I never get tired of kicking his teeth in, so I wouldn't wouldn't bother him. <laughs> <if you can. laughs> well, um, we're we got our, we're reaching the end of this, but. Um, where are you going to be? Where can people find you? Um, if somebody wanted to book you, what's the best way to contact you? Well, as of now, if you want to see me, it's going to be every Friday night, Pro South. You can tune in on the live stream. Um, come in and see us, support the show. Someone who wants to book me, they can um, contact me over Facebook. It's just J.R. Reynolds on through there. Um, be happy to talk to anybody. But yeah, definitely come out, man. Support Mad City Psychopaths, support LOT, support Pro Styles as a whole. I mean, it's a great show. It's definitely something you want to invest your time in. It's definitely worth it. Uh, what that just reminded me of one more question. This new uh, wrinkle of Mad City Psychopaths with you and Culpret teaming up. Um, would you have interest in taking that team to other places outside of uh, Pro South? Would you be interested in seeing that tag team going to other promotions outside of Pro <laughs> uh, mm. Me personally, yeah. All right, well, Tyler, if you're listening, you heard that then, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Tyler's, Tyler's just about anywhere you want to be, so exactly. that would be very interesting. 
I just it was an idea that we had that we had to run with, man. And it's just when the match was being sold for the one on one between me and him, you know, the status versus the psychopath, it just has such a ring to it with them going against each other. So doesn't it sound perfect just to blend them together? And it was, and it worked. It seems to work really well. And yeah, I definitely like to experiment with it and see what we can do with it because it seems like it's something that could definitely go somewhere. Yes, sir. Well, Reynolds, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to you. I'm looking forward to meeting you um, at the end of next month. And best of luck with everything. I mean, it's just fascinating to talk to you. Uh, and I'm glad you got the you got the life that you want, and wrestling is adding to it. Um, that's that's a wonderful thing to hear. Yeah, so I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to have me on and everything. I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. Interesting young man for sure. Dude, for dude sure. has an has an ominous voice, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Very, let that dude cut promos more. Um, <laughs> and he's, you know, he's a he's a smart guy. Um, you can tell, and he's a cerebral kind of cat. And like I said, I, I think this goes along with the trend, Larry. Of when we talk to wrestlers, I think it's a different vibe than you would have had thirty, forty years ago, right? Like the guys seem to have settled into, for the most part, kind of having wrestling in a perspective. That's a common theme. You know, where it isn't just, I really want to do this, and I'm going to go to Japan. And, you know, instead it's like, I had my that relationship with wrestling, and now it's different. Now it's, I'm, I'm happier getting to do what I want to do and conceive of in my head. And, and, and if, but you can, you can go that route and then still get a gig on AEW Dark. I think that's what's so exciting and interesting about the modern time. You know, is you can kind of get have your cake and eat it too, at least a little bit. It's so. it's an interesting balance, isn't it? He's you know he wants to have his uh, uh, family life quality, which I totally get, and then he wants to do a masochistic character on Friday nights. Okay, that's Whew. interesting. Love it, interesting baby. mix. Hey, another interesting guy is on the line who um, absolutely made a surprise and wonderful return. Friday night at Anarchy, or excuse me, Saturday night at Anarchy at Hardcore Hell. Um, this is a guy I've been wanting to talk to on here for a while. I'm glad we got this done. Um, we're joined now by the big F and Deal himself, Jeter. Welcome to the Tipping Point. How you doing, gentlemen? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. The champ is here. Um, Jeter, what did, it, what did it feel like to be back at Anarchy? What did that feel like for you and the reception that you got? Um, <clears throat> pure, unadulterated fun, in all mm. honesty. It was, just, it was just pure fun. It was, uh, I've, so you, you had, we had the entire year off for the most part because of the pandemic. And I myself personally was pulling um, myself away from wrestling and dates. So to walk out to that was just pure fun. It was as though as it was a, a good shot to the veins. It reminded me why I fell in love with wrestling to begin with. Yes. You know, you could I I could see that when you were out there, like that how much you were digging 
that and 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 what an incredible response you got when you came out. Oh man. Blew the roof off. Wonderful. Yeah. I had goosebumps before I hit the curtain. It just went to went to ten. Once I took the mask off and they lost their minds, like, oh okay. They still love me a little bit here. <laughs> uh Jeter, like I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna put your resume out there just a little bit. Um, I was thinking about this the other day is because, you know, there's always this discussion about, oh, there's so few big guys that can work, blah, blah, blah. You always hear that kind of stuff. Um, Certainly you're one of those guys that you're a big guy who can work. But I think more importantly, I think you're very smart. I think you'd like over the years, you've become like a locker room leader uh, at PCW, for example, and something that a lot of people might not know is that you went an hour, right? Like you went an hour in a match and it wasn't you resting for 45 minutes of it. I mean, you and Shane Marks, I believe, went that hour. What was that feeling like once you made that hour? Um, it, was a, it was a personal accomplishment for me. Uh, in two ways. One, it was me proving to myself that this is what this is what I can do. This is what I'm meant to do. If I can go this hour, let alone with Shane Moss, but if I can go this hour, I'm meant to do this. And the other half was at that time it was me proving that wrestling is still big men are still viable in pro wrestling. Um, because specifically at that time, everybody that was a star in wrestling particularly in the feds, was under six feet tall, masquerading as six foot two. You had your exceptions. You had your exceptions of Kane, Undertaker, Big Show, those guys did here and there, but the overall feel of it was wrestling was a small man's game. And young Jeter being who he is, who he was, took exceptions to that and, he, and I felt some type of way about that. So that was my way of proving uh to myself and to wrestling we are still viable. Damn what you think. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeter, when you um, came into Pro South last summer and you did that program with uh, Towers, and it, it really gave me a new appreciation for how good you are. And then you um, stepped away. What, what brought you back now? Um, okay, well, let's, let's, let's address me going to Pro-South. I yeah. wholeheartedly went to Pro-South. Uh, you guys, Ace, Amy, you even asked Towers. I told him, the reason I'm here is you. You have a lot of tools that a lot of people don't. You have the physical cheat code that a lot of people wish they had. Yeah, but the difference between when I came in and when you came in, when I came in, all the big men have pretty much gone. You still have a Logan Creed. You still have a Jeter. You still have an Orion Bishop. You still have guys around that can help you get ready and get to that next level. And so that was my whole reason for going. I actually didn't have any, um, any, uh, I didn't have any plans of going to wrestling further. In all honesty, I was pretty much done. I'm done. Uh, I've had my fun with this. I've had, I had at that point I had, I had my fun with it. It was cool. It was fun. I almost got signed a couple times. All right, cool. We'll leave it at that, and we'll keep it moving. But I saw Towers, and I saw him struggling. 
And what got me was she reminds me so much of young me. You got the physical tool, just put it together. And then I had, the on top of that, I had a couple of other veterans who was like, listen, if anybody's going to be able to teach them how to do this and do this correct and from a, a thinking man's perspective, it's you. So that was the reason why I went. I disappeared. Again, I'm I'm done. I'll go with, with whenever I want to go, wherever I want to go, that's if I decide to go. Um, and what, like I said, the thing that brought me back was they say never say never. And when it comes to pro wrestling, if that is such a true statement, because I was like, I'm done, I'm never going back. And I decided, well, let me just try it again one last time. Let's see if I – I almost got signed before. Let's see if I can really make them – shake it up and make them believe what I know I am. It's not what I think I am anymore. It's what I, it's what I know I am. I am the best kept secret when it comes to big man wrestling. Give a damn about how anybody feels about it. I know this for a fact. So this is my push to see. Let's see if we can wake them up again. And then I'm going to be honest with you. Last year when they had the, uh, they were naming out the top guys in Georgia, my name wasn't nowhere near mentioned. That kind of hit a, that kind of hit a tick for me. That kind of hit a spot mm. for me. Oh, oh hell no! All the work I'm putting in. Okay, so I really must remind y'all. So I came back for those two reasons. That reason alone is branched into two different directions. Stop. One of your runs that I found particularly enjoyable, maybe not a lot of people know about it, is that you and Jeff G together in UIW, in what I would consider to be the last really great thing that they did when you guys feuded with uh, Bull Buchanan. What was that like working with Jeff? What was that like working with Bull? And really getting to show that you weren't just a guy who worked at PCW, that you really could take your act wherever you wanted it to go and make it work? Um, in all truth and honesty, overall, it was a learning experience. Um, working with Jeff, like I, I dabbled in, I thought I was a pretty decent deal at the time. You get paired up with Jeff E. Bailey, you find out you're nowhere near the mark. Um, <laughs> that, that Working with Jeff taught me how to up my game, taught me how to be a smart heel not just a cheap, cheap heel. Um, and working with, oh, again, that's, that's, a guy, that's a guy who made it, a guy who, who, whose credentials is too long, are too long to list. And, it, and it, he was just, he was there with the advice. Every time I see Bull, it's always advice on if you need advice, um, what to do, what not to do, uh, what to say, what not to say. So overall, it was a learning experience. You find out, again, working with Jeff, yeah, I thought I was a heel. Oh boy, if I, I'm a, I got to up my game. I'm gonna mess around and be uh, the sidekick in this process. <laughs> so I love hearing that you're back for another run. Who is on your short list of guys you have not gotten a chance to work with yet that you would like to get this run? Um. It's the uh, I'll say this this run this me being back this time around I, I'll, I'll while also let me wake them up and let them show them and try and get myself back get myself where I want to get to 
It's also about teaching. So cats like uh, Will Caution, uh, mm. Dave Ali, mm. um, any any other young guys that that come that are coming up that I can I see where I, they can benefit from from being in the ring with me. Uh, I can teach them something. I feel like I have I have a wealth of knowledge. I'm not saying I got the wealth, but I have a wealth of knowledge that I feel like I can give out to the young guys. Um, Will Caution, David Ali, I wrestle. I would love to wrestle AC Mack again. Um, the Renegade Enforcer. He's been on my radar for a while. Oh. Um. I I, I, I would love to get into a program with uh, Prop Johnson. That's that's the guy I've got to wrestle once, and for him to be as young in the business as he is, he gets it. So that's the guy I would love to program with. Uh, matter of fact, all the Southern boys, J. Two Strong, Hanson, um, Squiddle the Great. That's another guy I would like to get in with. Mm. Um, There's just a, no, a long list uh, of, of those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. Cheater, uh, have you wrestled a Brian Bishop before? You know what? No, and that you know what he is at the top of my list. He is a, he's one of the guys at the top of my list of established guys that I have not had a chance to wrestle yet. Man, that's a match I want to see. You and you and Bishop. Woohoo. Yeah. Oh man. yeah. Somebody needs to make that match. I, I, I think stylistically, uh, we're, we're very similar. Um, both with with. With tanks with with the uh, the gas with the uh, cardio of a uh, speech with a speech car, um, I would like to see it. It'd give me a chance to go into my dives, something I don't get to do often. <laughs> you know the the thing one thing that I kind of forgot, which I shouldn't have, when I saw you at um, Anarchy Saturday Night, when you're when you're in the ring with Towers. I forget how tall you are. Yeah. What are you, 6'5", six, 6'6"? Six, six? No, in all actuality, I'm 6'7 and a half. Oh, yeah. good Lord. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> in all actuality, I'm 6'7 and a half. It's funny how many people you hear say that. They'll go, we forget how tall you are until you stand next to a guy like Creed and you guys are eye to eye. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm just a little heavier than those guys, but I'm right there in height. Yeah, when I look at when I look at the guys like who you know, because I watch every wrestling thing that happens, it seems. And um, when I see guys like Bear Country, for example, who are now kind of getting a thing in AEW, and people go on and on like, oh, it's great that they have these bigger guys, and I just think. I mean, they're husky guys, but they're not tall guys as well. Whereas I do think people forget of the fact that you're taller than everybody else. You're bigger than everybody else. You can still move, and you're very um, cerebral. That's one thing I always found interesting is PCW, we had a lot of different kind of cats. <laughs> a lot of different kind of guys. I'll say. <laughs> for sure. Um, and... And, you know, I think I was the right personality 
to kind of run that thing then. And then I think Hankins came in at just the right time because you got you didn't need a guy like yelling, screaming, you know, like pushing pushing a vision. You guys became sort of mature guys that knew what was going on. And I thought Hankins was a good time to transition to somebody like him in charge as opposed to someone like me. And uh, I, I think the only reason that could really happen is because of guys like you and Brian. It's funny that you guys all kind of came in together. It was you, Brian, and uh, De La Vega, right? And, uh-huh. and Vandal. It was all around the same time. I consider you guys like a class together. And it's funny how it just worked out for all of you guys. It's great. Yeah, man. I, I think overall and all, um, like you said, we all matured. We all knew. We all, we all figured out what role we need to play in PCW, um, what, what roles best suit us, how our influence in the locker room would be uh, would be accepted and suited, and, and it just it it worked out. We 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 like I said, we just figured it out um, somehow, some way. I turned into a lot the locker room. I turned into one of the locker room leaders. That was never my aim, but um, for me, it turned into I, I start. You, I would see talent come in. And try to treat PCW like it was a, like a, a, we're just here. Oh, if you come here, this is the place I helped build. This is my home. You come here, you're gonna wipe your feet at the door. You're gonna respect this locker room in this place. If you don't, we're gonna have an issue. And I'm gonna be the last person you're gonna have an issue with. <laughs> and that, that kind of became my thing. Um, not in not trying to bully anyone, but you can go everywhere else and respect it. You will respect it here. And that was it. That was that's always that's always been my thing when it came to PCW. Damn how you feel about Steve Platinum. Damn how you feel about whoever, whoever you're gonna respect this name. We help build this name. You respect. You can you can go there and respect AWE. You can go respect Anarchy. You can go respect uh, Pro South. You can go respect Peach State. Respect us and what we do. Respect us and how we feel. Respect our the legacy that we've built. And if you don't like it, there's the door and we'll hit you in the ass and never come back. <laughs> you know, Jeter, you mentioned uh, getting close to getting signed and it didn't happen. Looking back on it, what what are your thoughts on that now? I mean, what if anything? What do you think? Why did why didn't it happen? Um, I. My my theory is this: it's a twofold theory. Um, me, the chances of me being signed, particularly to uh, TNA at the time, because that's what it was. Mm-hmm. That came with I need I needed more seasoning. On top of needing more seasoning, it also came with a lot of changes. The way I understand it, that was happening uh, backstage. That's my theory, because around that time you had different changes. And I was kind of—I guess I was one of the guys that fell through the crack on that process. Can't be upset about it. It's the nature of life. It's the nature of the game. Only thing you can do is hold your head down and keep chugging along. Um, do I wish I would have got signed? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. But you can't—you can't cry with spilled milk. That's, that's something that was a lesson my grandfather taught me years ago. You can't cry with spilled milk. Can't cry about what would have been. 
look at how can you make it the next time you get the opportunity. Oh. Jeter, where where can we look forward to seeing you? Um, and if not actual dates and places, where where are things that you think you might pop places that you might pop up as well as the dates that you may or may not have confirmed already? Um well Anarchy for sure. Yeah. Peace State State for sure. PCW for sure. Um I'm getting a few call I'm getting a few uh a few uh, ticks and licks for Tennessee. Um, I'm giving nice. a few ticks and licks for uh, Florida. Um, mm. I, I, even, and I even have a few guys out of um, California looking uh trying to see what's, what's happening with them in California. So um, I, just look for me everywhere. I, I posted upon my uh, my Facebook page. Uh, like I said, you know, Georgia for sure. Anywhere in Georgia for sure. Uh, those three, those three plays, PCW, Anarchy, and P-State, for sure. Everywhere else is two pieces. Just keep eyes on the like, like the old Sting said, uh, the only thing for sure about Jeter is nothing's for sure. Just keep your eyes open. <laughs> nice. Great. I look forward to it. Thanks so much for being on. Um, you know, this might embarrass Jeter a little bit, but I've always found him to be um, Maturity-wise, just a little bit above his peers for the most part. Like he's somebody that, like I, I remember when you and I would see each other, it was never just like, "How's it going?" It was always asking about each other's families, or you would always ask about Julie and the kids and that kind of thing. And that always struck me of even at a younger age, like. Yeah, this is a <laughs> he's a, like a genuine guy and a citizen. You know what I mean? Um above all else. And a very smart guy. I think people often took Jeter as being aloof and that was completely incorrect. I think he's you're just a guy who doesn't waste your words, which in the wrestling business is a rarity. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm glad that people are going to like a, a, a new generation of guys is really going to get to experience the best of you. I think that's, that's only to the benefit of the promotions that you're going to work for. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you're doing it again. No, I'm just, I'm just glad to be back. Have a little fun with it. See what shakes of it. Try my best to leave. Like I, my biggest thing now is to leave it better than I found it. Mm-hmm. If I could, we can, if we can all, if we all, we can all have that goal as we're deciding whether or not, as we come in and decide whether or not we're going to stay for the long haul or make a short, quick run of it. If you can all, if you can just leave it better than you found it, it'll be here for generations well after. We, I, damn your, your well, how they, how they're going to see you. How the the legacy you leave in the ring will be there, but it's how the people behind the scenes remember you. That's really gonna make the mark. That's really gonna make you a legend. Because I've seen cats great in the ring, but are terrible human beings and terrible people, and no one, nobody respects them. So I just yeah. wanna leave it better than I found it. Absolutely, Jeter. This has been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for doing the show. We really appreciate it. Take care. You as well.
Yes, sir. Good stuff, Larry, um, that I'm going to make in May to Georgia. I got to say the thing that I'm right now I'm looking forward to the most is being there on Thursday for the PCW training mm-hmm. and seeing what that's like. Seeing, seeing who's getting trained, but really seeing Brian in action, because Brian and Jeter are good friends, right? They, they came in together, I trained them together, kept them in a tag team together for the longest, right? And, um, you know, God, you know, it's like that saying in Starship Troopers, we're the old men now, Ace, right? They, <laughs> they went from being these like almost literal kids, like, you know, De La Vega and Vandal were like 18 years old, right? And now it's, oh my God, it's 12, 13 years later. Yeah. And now Jeter's the guy who, you know, helps Hankins and gives the, gave the sacred ground speech, you know? And it's really a remarkable thing to see these guys develop. And I don't even take credit for that, really, maybe from a wrestling perspective. But like I said, Jeter was just one of these guys that had it together. (laughs) That's just who he is. And in a way, it maybe worked against him as far as getting, getting a look from a bigger league. Because I think at that time, wrestling really was in kind of a, it was a desert, right? (laughs) I mean, at a certain period, when Jeter was really doing it, wrestling was a desert. It was very hard to get anything anywhere. Now I go, it wouldn't shock. It wouldn't take much for somebody to just go. I mean, if Will Hobbs could get a thing, I think mm-hmm. Jeter could get a thing. Certainly use him once or twice, right? Bring him up there. You see what he looks like compared to other people and just go, wow. Because he, he's one of the few guys and it's not just because of his size, but that certainly contributes. But there's a, there's a presence about him that you just can't manufacture, right? There's, there's, there's an awesomeness about it. And, uh, I mean, wrestling can always use more of that, could it not? Agreed. Yeah. Yes, sir. So, Larry, where are you at this weekend? You know, I was thinking about that before we came on. It's a light weekend because of the way the dates fell. So, I mean, I, I'm sure there's others going, but the only ones that come to mind to me is Pro South on Friday, Renegade on Saturday, and Southern Fried on Saturday. So I probably will be uh, at Southern Fried on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That is good stuff. I am, It seems like I've been going to live wrestling shows all the time. Um, I have the weekend off from that, at least as of now. But I see that now it feels like things have opened up in Florida more. Mm -hmm. So I saw that, like, for instance, there's a group called Action Wrestling. um, They're called Action Wrestling Heroes and Villains in Florida. And they were supposed to have their debut show, um, like, in the April where COVID hit. So now they're going to have their debut in late June. So I see that those kind of dates are popping up all over the place. Um, and, uh, and obviously I'm committed to going to these shows in Florida. I just, uh, it's exciting. I'm like, I'm excited about taking a trip to Georgia and swinging on through and seeing different promotions. Um, it's such a, it's such a good time right now in wrestling. I mean, we're talking about, 
<laughs> even the even the superstars of wrestling show wasn't a complete shit bomb. I mean, that's shocking to me, Larry. You know. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what that means, but it's certainly fascinating. Well, maybe we'll be back next week, maybe two weeks. We'll see how things we'll see what happens. We'll see how this plays out. Yeah, we'll see how this plays out. You know, we're a little overdue of doing one of our special tipping points. You know? Okay. Like I one that we haven't done for a little more than a year is the uh dedication to the people's favorite promos of all time. Oh so yeah. So can we can we tentatively plan on that for two weeks so we have yeah, time to get some submissions? I think that's a great idea. I mean, that's what brought Hold My Beer Hansen to our to our attention was that he did such a wonderful job, and we, we on that first show we did. So like that, yeah. again, and I think people were tentative to do it last time, but now people know that that's a legit thing. So if you have a, fa- a favorite promo from wrestling, all you got to do is let Larry or I know that you would like to be part of it, and what the promo is to make sure that we don't have duplicates and that kind of thing. And uh, we'll go ahead and book you. And so what you'll do is just, you know, you'll do the promo. You don't have to impersonate the people doing it, but you're going to, you're the one who's going to recite that promo and then tell us why you loved it so much. And uh, especially because promos, Larry, I feel in general are just getting better and better and better. No doubt. Yeah. No question. And I definitely want to encourage that. So, yeah, let's just tentatively set a couple of weeks from now. We'll do our promo episode of Tipping Point. And uh, thank you to our guests, Reynolds and Jeter. Both great guests, huh, Larry? Just really great. And thank you to you, Mr. Platinum, for co-hosting once again and uh, keeping things uh, interesting in uh, Georgia (laughs) wrestling (laughs) and parts beyond. That's for sure. Well, for Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you to our guests, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks for the promo episode of The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.